Devils this week's Devil the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson. We're here talking all things Salford Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Parkin. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done this. Uh, Parky, have you uh, recovered from the uh, the semi final experience? Evening, Rob. Um, no, is the answer. Uh, <laughs> right. Still bitter and twisted. Mm. Um, I've had a bit of time, time to calm down, obviously. I think if you do ask me any time the week following the game, I don't think it had been broadcastable. No. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good job I've had a chance to calm down now and, and start looking forward again now. But uh, it's, it's given us time to sort of uh, think about what we what we witnessed in the last sort of six months or so and what the club, you know, have achieved in the last you know, sort of 12 months, really. It's been, uh, it's been fantastic, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been amazing uh, what what the what the club have achieved in the last sort of 12 months and and where we thought we might be and where we are is is sort of chalk and cheese in it really but uh, the journey doesn't end here park it you know it, it rolls on to 2023 and, and that's i think that's the important thing that's the thing we've got to kind of got to think about i'll say big thanks to all the people who, who have messaged me about granddad passing away you know i didn't quite expect the you know the the love uh, from our listeners, so uh, big thanks for that. Um, so yeah, we're going to start looking back at the, the Saints game. I've got all the big news uh, that have come out since uh, we last uh, broadcast. Uh, we've got Paul's Whiteside Worlds, Whiteside World of Rugby League. Uh, so we'll start with the uh, the semi final defeat in the Settlers. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So, Salford Red Devils were defeated against St. Helens, 19 points to 12, Parker. Mm. Brave performance uh, shown by Paul Rowley's boys, but just couldn't get over the line. Yeah, yeah. Overall, on, on the, the, the game itself, the best team probably won on the day. Mm. It's unfortunate the game was overshadowed by things out of both teams' control, really. It shouldn't happen that way, but the boys were... They give everything they've got like they have done all year. They match Saints in, in so many areas. And to do that against the, you know, a side like St. Helens with all the the players, I mean, they were saying the week before they were going to have, you know, six, seven, eight players missing. You turn up on the day and it's mm. that's just St. Helens, you know. We we were more troubled without having, you know, Brody in the team. And then things didn't go well from the start. And the Andy Akers goes off after what, two minutes is yeah. that? You know, more or less one of the first challenges of the game. And from that point, I think. I think I knew. I think I had in my own mind that it wasn't going to be our day, um, but we didn't. We didn't stop trying. You know, Saints came out of that and knew they'd been in the game, and that's that's all you can ask for. And we, after the season we've been through, and it's been up up and down. We had you know shaky period where we only won you know probably a couple of games out of ten or something, and and then it flipped on its head. And it went the other way. Where we only lost a couple out of ten, but um, no, that game was it was disappointing. I think. On that day, I, I believe we'd have probably beaten anybody else. Mm. I really do. I think Saints just had a little bit too much for us in that first half. They were strong. They, they outmuscled us in defence. We didn't, we couldn't make needs, so we couldn't get out of our own half. Which again, without Brody Croft being in the team, is going to happen. You know, I'm not taking anything away from Chris Atkin, who, who was was brilliant on the day. Um, but you know, you know what you get with Brody Croft. He's just that touch of class that can open up a team and. And we lacked that that little bit. But, you know, in the second half, we came back into it and we, we gave them a real fright. At one point, you know, we, we had that try disallowed for the obstruction. And then there's the controversy over a possible penalty try. Either of them go your way and it's a different game. 
uh, and it could have been us at Old Trafford, and 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 it'd have been nothing, nothing less than the lads had deserved. But yeah. um, you know, on the day, I suppose Saints just edged it, and that you know, some clever play that dropped well just before our time. I didn't realise at the time how crucial that you know could have been. Mm. Um, very smart, last play of the game. But that Saints, they they don't stop, and that's what you need to be that that, that you know champion team, really. Yeah. Like you said there, champion teams find a way to win. And that's what St. Ellen's did. Um, we huffed and puffed, it has to be said. The effort was there, the commitment was there. Didn't kind of feel like compared to the week before against Huddersfield that it was our day from the very beginning for, for me. Um, obviously, like you said, Andy Ackers uh, going off injured and you're losing half your spine there. We know Brody yeah. Croft, no Andy Ackers. You bring Amir Burrow in who look at the stats, we know, tremendous defensive display from him. But it's a learning experience for everybody, isn't it? And, you know, our boys, I think, obviously, at the end of the game, where you're, where you're you know, they're look, your players disappointed, they come over to clap the, clap the crowd, and we're sort of looking at them, and they're looking at us. Didn't have that kind of, it was a weird feeling, but it didn't feel like it was the end of the journey for me. It was, they they weren't brought, I, I, I'm saying, I don't think they were devastated because they probably would have been a bit because they've just been beaten in the Super League semi-final. But the vibes I was getting wasn't, this is this was the one opportunity we had. And you could tell that by the faces that they thought, it's the one we got, one that's got away here rather than the one we, we threw away. Yeah, I think you're right. That that reaction from the players was, was a little bit more, uh, it wasn't, they weren't celebrating the fact that they'd made a semi-final, yeah, yeah. which is more than anybody expected. It was more a, a disappointment they hadn't won the semi-final. I mean, you're away at St. Helens. You oh, know, yeah. Our own history tells us we don't win there anyway. But <laughs> yeah. to go there and put that, that effort and be so close um, to, to turning them over. And like I say, it only takes a couple of things to go your way. Hmm. Um, perhaps a different official on the day might have seen things differently and we might have got the rub of the green. Hmm. You don't, you know, you don't lose Andy Ackers early on. That I mean, for me, when Andy went off, I, I thought then, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not knocking Ami, but that threat he's got from acting half, them, them little runs he makes, he makes an extra 10, 15 metres from the play of the ball, which a lot of hookers can't do. Not just, you know, it's, it's just something he's become so good at this year. And he gets us on the front foot, the quick play of the ball, and we're on the attack. And we, did, we didn't get any quick play of the ball, or certainly not in the first half. And that would have been where Andy would have really shone. Um, and I think that might have been part of Paul Rowley's thinking with, with putting Amir on the bench. Because he hasn't really played a lot this year, but he's obviously thought Andy's going to do a lot of work for us and he's going to need to rest at some point. And we'll switch a few things about. Unfortunately, that got taken away from us. Yeah. I, I, I don't really agree with that, Pat, because I think what, he, what Paul Rowley thought was we need an extra pivot in the line and Amir Butter would bring that. And obviously... They would have trained like all oh, week, wouldn't they? And obviously, Andy Akers is the 80-minute player for us, so we don't expect him to go off. So it's like for like, but then it takes that extra uh, sort of extra summit we've got on the on the edges. You know what I mean? When he's not when he's not there, but you know it was it was tremendous performance. You know he, he did some at 53 tackles. We'll, we'll come mm. to the stats in a bit, which is a tremendous uh, sort of amount of, uh, of tackles, especially in the semi final. So young as well. He's going to he's obviously learn from this experience. You know he'll. Come, a, come out a better player, definitely. Look, talk about the sort of the big sort of incidents in in the game, uh, Parky. Obviously, we've got to remember that you know we don't have a game without the without the officials. Uh, you know, fans do lose the lose the tops with officials. That has to be said. Um, 
some of the decisions for me were 50-50. Uh, but we'll just quickly run through and see what your thoughts on them were as well. We'll start with uh, Chris Atkins' chicken wing incident put in the bin after that. So they essentially out 12 men. We took t- took advantage with, with the, the next set and scored. Should it have been red? Well, uh, has has he, has Knowles gone to deliberately harm the opponent? Mm. As far as I'm concerned, that, that that's the only thing he could have been doing. Mm. There's no reason to hang on to him. You release the player when you tackled him. And the player, well, that's it. They're the rules. Um, he hasn't done that. So straight away, it was a penalty anyway. Yeah. But the, the movement and the way he put, he knew what he was doing. That's yeah. not... That's not an accident. He hasn't just all of a sudden forgot that he's got hold of something or he's accidentally caught him. You know, it's not even like lifting the leg. This is a this is a move that he's he's he knew what he was trying to do. Um, even if he only thought he was delaying the play the ball and, and maybe didn't want to injure him as such. It's a da- it's dangerous play and it's deliberate dangerous play. Therefore, surely it's a red card. I, I I don't I don't totally agree with red cards and and they can spoil games and I I'm not I'm not certain every official would have seen it that way mm. um, and then to, for it to be seen there you know there's TV screens there that the fourth officials anybody could have said you know realistically that's dangerous play mm. deliberate foul play should he go yes I think he should um, the referee chose not to it takes a brave referee, I think, to send someone off in a semi-final or a final because it t- permanently changes the the outlook of the game. It was it was a foul and he got put in the sim bin for it and we took advantage by scoring on the next set. Should he have been totally sent off and red carded? We, we, all, we all know what um, you know what the win ratio is under 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 this particular referee, so it's not great. So I don't really I don't expect any favours from him. So a sim bid for me was probably the most we were going to get in that situation. I, I, but the thing is, it shouldn't matter what game it is. No, I mean, if it was the first game of the season, does that make it, you know, worse or better? I don't, I don't, I don't know. And then, even if it's just a regular season game, yeah, and that team don't get a man sent off or do get a man sent off, and it affects the result later in the season. Somebody could ever make the top five, top six. Or somebody could get relegated on that one result. Mm. It matters every time. The referees have got to get it right and be consistent. And and to listen to other people and ex-officials and so on, no nobody seems to have a clear, a clear idea of what it was. Yeah. But surely the rules are the rules. And if he's gone to deliberately hurt a player in a game that, let's be honest, it's tough enough, you don't need that, mm. then that's a red card. And I don't... I don't care what what game you're in. The, the referee has got to have. She was used to the term minerals to make well, decisions, yeah. and if he he can't do that, then perhaps he's not in the right job. Possibly, possibly. Like, like I say, I suppose it's, it's something that he'd have to be thinking about. His official reviewer, I suppose, have to see what you know whether his thought process was right. We'll talk about the other next incident. Um, Chris Hacking, the head shot. We'll call him Christ Hacking because he he came back from the dead at least twice in that in that game. Um, it's it was it was ferocious, but for me it was fair. Hit him on the chest, you know. Chris just jumped straight back up, didn't didn't milk it. So for for me, he thought it was probably fair as well. But you know, in that situation, we're we're crying for anything. So crowd, a shout of the crowd, you're hoping the ref might overreact, but didn't. No, I agree. I think I think it was those challenges are always difficult because 
the intent is to stop the player kick, getting the ball away. That, mm. That's all that, you know, he didn't deliberately go and try and hurt him. That's, that's the key. Was it missed time? Was it slightly high? Possibly. But he didn't, he didn't aim to do that. And, and sometimes that's where the game can be a little bit too soft. Mm. Where you think, oh, he hit him a little bit. Well, yeah, but that's the challenge. And every player knows that. And it, if you're kicking up, I mean, Max Need must get it every other week. Oh, yeah. The same thing happening. Mm. I've seen it a lot this season where some have been penalised. Some haven't. If it's deliberately, you know, if he's two seconds late, then it's a penalty. Yeah. But he wasn't. He was, as you know, he's all in, in the same sort of, movement really i've got no no problem with it if it was a little bit high his, his technique then needs working on a quick word with him but i don't think there's anything there was no malice in the, in the challenge so i i just say play on yeah there was a there was a similar incident um for the ladies against stanningley uh where alex simpson stepped one of their big forwards and and instead of their forward kind of driving forward like the saints player did she just stood still and and alex just took just ran into her like like a cartoon character runs into a door, so and she, she went down. But it was it was a similar kind of similar kind of incident uh, for me. So yeah, tough sport rugby league, and, and that and that's that's you know that's the way it is. You know these, you know we have the open respect for 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 every player who, who crosses that that white line because you know it's a tough game and it's it's pushing yourself both physically and mentally to get the you know get over that line and be the best player you can be. So. Yeah, it was it was a tough shot, and Chris, to, you know, to his credit, just jumped straight up, back up, yeah. played the ball, and, and we'll, we'll we'll go again. Um, so uh, it's a, it was an interesting situation. That next one, Parker, we'll talk about the Tim Lafayette obstruction try. And what's what, what's your thought process on, on on that? Is it a try or not? Would he have got there? That's the question. And I think he probably would. Hmm? And and my 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 thought is that. Makinson obviously thought he would, otherwise he wouldn't have made that particular challenge. He'd have left it to, to chance or, you know, he expected his, his fullback or whoever to clean up. I personally think there is an infringement there and it has disrupted the, the chance of the player scoring. Now, the, the rules are a bit vague on this and this is, this is where it's, it, it's difficult. Personally, I think if it had been at the other end, it might have been given. As a penalty try, however, it, it wasn't. Hmm. Uh, I do, I do think he's a. He has, he has done it on purpose. It is a deliberate act. Therefore, hmm. he's known what he was doing uh, and why he was doing it. And he, in his mind, uh, and probably in Tim Lafayette and everybody else's around that area, thought he was going to score, and he's done what he can to stop him scoring. Right now, whether he, whether he would have or not, we, we'll never, ne- we'll never know. No, you know, there's no way. So. Anyone making that call, but for me, what the referee he should have passed it upstairs and and had a discussion. I think get somebody else's opinion on what what has just happened because mm. clearly he didn't he didn't know. Yeah, Tim Laff has a lot of things. He's got he's got silky hands, and you know he's got he's got he's quite tall. He's, he's you know he's, he's a good centre, uh, quite skillful, you know, good defender. But what thing one thing he isn't is quick. Do I think that he 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 gets to the ball before it goes to the back, before it goes dead? No, I know he scored a try against Leeds, similar uh, a few weeks ago, uh, beginning of the season. But the angle, of the kick was better, a better angle for him to get it. You got to kind of remember how often the obstruction tries are given. They're not given, you know, for anything. So you're asking a ref, you're asking for a referee to say, 
you know, there's a collision five yards from the line. Does that collision? Does Tim get to that ball before it goes dead? If he does, if he doesn't collide with him, and I think there's too many what ifs in that whole process. If that collision happens five yards further forward and they're on the line, we're not shouting for an obstruction try there, are we? We're just saying just dive on the ball, and that's that's the difference. But the referee has given a penalty, so mm. therefore he knows it's an infringement. True. He hasn't said play on. He hasn't said he's not getting to that ball. It's gone dead. Yeah. The, what the collision has nothing to do with it. He's saying, yes, you've, you've deliberately pulled that player mm. away from the ball in the act of trying to score a try. True. Now, anything that could have happened from that point is an if and maybe. Mm. Was he obstructed? Yes. Right? Now, there's nothing to say that perhaps the same play, Saints player was going to go for the ball and dive on it, but miss it or mm. knock it on oh, in, yeah. straight into our play. Anything could have happened from that minute. That doesn't matter. Mm. It's what happened at that point. Could he have made it? We'll never know. No. Does it matter how how quick? He, I mean, he might have just had a you know a sudden leap from nowhere and, and got on it. Anything could have happened yeah. if Makinson hadn't touched him. Yeah. So that's is vague, and that's the problem. I just don't. I don't think he was particularly interested in giving it. I'll say that. No. Um, and at that point, that was a massive turning point. I think. Mm. I think we were we had them on the rack a little bit then. Uh, and then from that, we we probably didn't make the right decisions. But um, personally, yeah, I do. I think I think I think it could have been. I think it, in many chances it could have been given. I know what you're saying about penalty tries don't don't get given a lot, and that's another rule that that kind of changed, didn't it? And I know in the NRL, it's either one or the other. It's either a yellow card or a try. Yeah, you can't give both. And and in this case, he gave a yellow card and not any. So. I don't, I don't know. It needs, it probably needs clearing up, but it doesn't happen that often. So, but personally, I think, I think he was going to score, uh, or the chance was there for him to score mm. until he was infringed, and then it wasn't. It's just so unfortunate it, that, that that one split second, yeah. anything, everything changed. Mm. It's just that unfortunately, when video referee, you can't say, right, we'll go to the screen, but exhibit A. I've got Tim Lafayette scoring against Leeds three months ago. Look at that. Look at this try. Then look what just happened in front of you. Do you think he gets it? And you can't do that because it's it's not a courtroom, is it? <laughs> That's why. But, but I don't know. I, but then, I, I deep down, I don't think he gets it. But then, but, if if it was Joe Burgess going for that ball, would you say the same thing? It's the same infringement. The penalty is mm. for the same thing. Doesn't matter who's going for the ball, yeah. whether it's Jack Ormond or Tim Lafayette. The, the incident has still happened and he has deliberately Take stopped that. him from making an attempt to score a try. Yeah. That should be, I, I don't, it shouldn't be any, need to be any clearer than that. It's just a lot of, like you say, when you see teams, they kind of shield the the guy who's going to catch it, don't they? So let's say if they change the rules, say right, any kind of sort of obstruction of a runner then puts you in the bin or, you know, gives an obstruction try. Does it suddenly turn into a, like a game of basketball on the fifth tackle? You just kick it through. Someone blocks someone off and he goes, I can have to try because he, because he blocked him, even though he might not get it, but the action's there. And I think that's the kind of the danger in sort of this uh, rule change that we would like, because the, you get teams just kick like kicking the ball dead and running and running into somebody. Let's just even say I, I was going yes. for it, but I ran into him. I knew I was going to get it, but I made it like I did. And then referee might give you, you know, but, give you a penalty try for an offence that wasn't there. 
to be fair, that already happens. Players <laughs> right. do run directly into players to try and win penalties. That, yeah. that, that's already happening and, and probably already has, uh, always has and always will. Mm. I think that's that's to, to referee and linesmen then to to use their intelligence and go, well, we know what you're doing. Or, you know, if, you, if you're 15 yards out, you're not getting there, you know. No. Whereas if you're on the try line, could it, you know, the bounce of the ball could have gone anywhere. But, yeah. Um, it was just another one of those. I mean, there was an incident in the first half, which we haven't mentioned, where the ball went dead. And Burgess picked the ball to go for a quick tap. And the Saints player blocked him behind the try line. Right. Now, that was obstruction. Mm. We're going for a quick play the ball. And the referee didn't see it, apparently. Now, right. if he didn't see it, and his linesman didn't see it, and nobody else saw it, what are they watching? Somebody's watching what's going on when that ball is is going to be live. The kick through, Joe Burgess has picked it up and he's ready to race back. He's just got it behind the end goal and he's running back. And their player then stops him, tries to block, knock the ball out of his hand mm. to slow the play of the ball down. You know as well as I do, if Joe Burgess gets in the clear, he's, he's probably going to score. Yeah. So, is that, you know, where does that go? I mean, that you can't say penalty try for that, obviously, because it's, it's, it's a different thing. But he has purposely stopped him going and it should have been a sim bidding from that point and the referee turned the other cheek mm. was it when when bouts in the game was that would um, we change sorry about 12 men at that point or not i can't remember uh, no, I'm not, i can't remember where they were at. it was in the first yeah, half whether right. it, but same it doesn't matter oh well, yeah when, well, you know we've been down to 11 men before now I suppose the difference you think obviously because everyone's human, aren't they? So if he bins one Saints player and then bins him, bins another one, he's like, oh, that's thinking, <laughs> I can't bin everyone. <laughs> you know they, what I mean? they, they they used a lot of the tricks that yeah. that teams do um, and and got away with them exactly. But that's what that's... champion teams do. They find a way, Parker, and it's little things like that that wins you the game. And we will learn from that experience because we won't get sucked into that. Or we'll we'll make sure that we you know when we do score tries or try and score tries they can't you know put any elements of doubt in it or whatever and that's the that's the the experience that's the the growing the development side of where we are and hopefully oh, this experience or the semi final experience will help us twelve months down the line next time we get to a playoff game or whatever because we'll be we'll know what it takes to to go and you know, win a game uh, really um, King Bunny IOR crossing. Behind the play of the ball, for me, Parky, I think it was. I think he passed the passed the collision before he gave it. Um, but if Elijah Taylor goes over there, it's you know we we go and win that game. I thought straight away it was, even though I was getting yeah. drowned by in bay of people around me at the yeah. time. Uh, I thought straight away I thought it was an obstruction, or it would be given as one. I'm not sure he's actually totally interfered and taken anybody away from the thing, but that's the rule. That's mm. that's what he's done. He, he is. As soon as I saw it, I thought that's, you know, and it, it, the one thing that gave it away was how, how open Saints defence was. And I thought that's not right. Yeah. Something's gone wrong there. So, yeah, no, I've got no problem with that that decision as such. It was it, it was the right decision. If it had been at the other end, I'd have been crying for yeah. it. Yeah. So. I was talking to a lad at the uh, the ladies game and, and he's, he's, he's made the point that is it not a bad read from the, the Saints player coming across? And I was like, it's got a point because obviously the, the runner's there to draw his attention and he just he just saw he just took the bait so no, I, I, if you've got a dumb runner coming across then you know and you're not giving and you're giving being sort of penalised then what's the point in bringing the dumb runner across 
Well, again, it's something you see every week. Yeah, yeah. It happens every week, and you go, "Well, he's just that the defending player's got that wrong." Yeah, yeah. But the, it's the rule. That's that's the way it is, and it looks like you know he's gone behind a player, you know, or he's running to the line and not you know not gone directly through. That's it. They're the rules, and that's in that that instance, I've got no problem with the decision at all. I think, again, you know, if it's the other way around, I I I, I say that's an obstruction. So. Um, yeah, that's it, it. Was a tough one at the time. I said from from that play the ball, funnily enough, just calm down. You don't have to score now. And immediately we did something stupid. You know, players were getting didn't yeah. seem to communicate properly in what they were doing. And and again, that probably comes through players not being where they should be in terms of not being on the pitch. Um, but yeah, that I, I thought that point at that penalty from that that, that play the ball, and I thought. Don't do anything silly. Just build it. Yeah, and we didn't. We went for it straight away, and it just didn't work. But ball. Uh, rally ball, play yeah. see, and yeah, they think absolutely. it's on. It's absolutely. on. We can't say build it, build it, and go when the players yeah. have got this far with this, you know, attitude of it's on. Let's do it, but not in a reckless way. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean? I mean, my other thing with with the, the the referee was it's not just the big the big things. It was the the holding downs. The offsides, which mm. seemed to go one way and not the other. Uh, there was one incident in the first half where their player, I, don't, I can't remember which one, it was one of their forwards, I don't know if it was Lees or someone like that, and he lay on for five or six seconds at the play the ball. Literally, and the whole ground sort of was breathing in. Even the Saints fans were sort of like, oh, get off, get off, get off. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. On the next set, we held on for a split second a split second and straight away, yeah. and somebody shout. Well, not 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 one person. Quite a few people around me shouted. He couldn't wait. He just wanted to give a penalty, mm. and and when you watch it back, you can see it. And my this isn't just my opinion. This is the opinion of a lot of rugby league fans who watched that game, who have who went anti Saint Ellens after this game. And it wasn't really Saints' fault. If they try and cheat or, or do something to manipulate the rules, then fine. It's up to the referee to stop that. If the referee's not doing it, then he's the problem, not not Saints. And that was... It, it, what the, Them little 50-50s weren't 50-50s. Mm. It was definitely 60-40 every time. Um, uh, he swayed by the crowd on a couple of occasions. Uh, there was a, I think he gave a forward pass, which when I've watched it back, and even the commentators went, "That's not forward." Mm. Um, he got he got them wrong, and it, overall, he had a shocking game. <laughs> yeah. So, but he is a shocking referee. Mm. So that's that's what you get. And and I said the week before, you remember, I put my head in my hands when we were discussing him. I knew exactly what we were going to get before the game. That shouldn't be the way. I've, I've often said, that, oh, I like this referee, and he's had a terrible game on the day. Mm. Or I've always gone, oh, God, we got him again. And he turns and you go, oh, he had a good game today, didn't he? They, they surprise you, but he never lets me down in terms <laughs> of he lets me down every time. So, um, yeah, I, I think got what, what I expected. I, I, you know, I see his reward. He doesn't get punished. He gets the million-pound game this oh, week. Which is mad. I, I, you know. I, I, but that's 
that's the way it is. And, and the Arrowfield of Super League do have the favourites and he's clearly one of them. Positives, Parker. What can you take from, from the game for, for us, positive-wise? For me, I thought we played to our structures. We didn't panic. We, we played, you know, the whole 80 minutes, really. Um, you know, not kind of going off um, kilter, playing to what we know. I thought, yeah, we've played with no fear and, and that is half the battle when it comes to sort of semi-final rugby. It's whether you get swallowed up in the old occasion. I don't think we did. Uh, attitude. Hmm. No, that was brilliant, I thought. Because in that first half, they 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 dominated us in, in spells, and certainly in defence. And we didn't give up. We never stopped trying. In the second half, we, you know, we had a real go. We could have been down at half-time, you know, and they let them come out and score again and just kill the game completely uh, and run away with it. And it didn't happen. Uh, so the attitude was right. The commitment, the, you know, coming into the last five, ten minutes, the fitness, I thought yeah. we looked fitter than they did, fresher. So I've got no, you know, I was, I was just proud of them on the day. I've got no, I've been proud of Salford before when they've lost, but mainly because, oh, well, we did all right to get here, didn't we? This time because we competed and we deserved to be there. Mm. And, like you said before, it, it seems to be the start of something. And the players had that attitude, like you see with big teams when they get beat. And they're, and they, they're disappointed. They, they can't, you know what I mean? They, they expect you to win, I think. Mm. I really do. I think they had that role. And if things work out differently, you know, like say Brody Croft doesn't get a head injury and, and, and Andy Ackers doesn't go off early on in the game, you, you just never know. Because we, with those two players and us at full tilt, and we only lost by, you know, a few points anyway. Mm. We we could win that game. So I've got no that I have no negatives about our team from that game. No. None no whatsoever. And I remember halfway through the season going away to Hull KR. And I watched that team and I that that is that is day and night, them two sides. <laughs> we we turned up at Hull KR. I think our, our top meter maker, our forwards would make 30 meters or something. Mm. And towards the back end of the season, that, that's a different team that I watched. Different players, different attitude. And it was a, there was a belief that, that they deserved to be at that, that top table with everybody else. And uh, I hope it sticks with them. I hope they don't forget that feeling through the winter and come back in, in, you know, in the new year. And we, we crack on again and we, we go one step further next year. Yeah, another possible crossroads moment of where we go on. On more, if that makes sense, which is uh, exciting. Well, the, uh, and the difference is this year that we're not losing thirteen or fourteen That's players. Yeah. You know, these lads are together again. Two, you know, four or five might go out, four or five will come in, but you've got to freshen the squad up anyway. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. But the nucleus of that squad and that that co- commitment and togetherness is still there, um, and we can build on that. And we're not starting from scratch this year. We, you know, we're going for. Don't forget the start of this season. Paul Rowley comes into a new job with a lot of players that he didn't he didn't sign. They weren't his team, and he's moulded it as the season's gone on. Mm. Aim, Kurt Agatey and, and Danny Yar, obviously, who's, who's moving on. But I've, I've put that team together and got them working and singing from the same, you know, hymn sheet. And I don't know. I can only see better better times. Better days ahead. That's what it's all about. Um, looking at the stats, top tacklers, Callum Watkins, 47, Shane Wright, 37, Elijah Taylor, 42, Amey Borough, 53, Alex Jared, 46, Parker. Forwards, an absolute shift there. That's that's a lot of work. A lot of work from a lot of players. And, 
you know, it was quite a nice day as well, wasn't it, really, yeah, yeah. conditions-wise, so it's, it's tiring. Um, yeah, Saints put us under the pump in that first half. They really did. We had to do a lot of work. And then even at certain parts in the second half where they were forcing us back and we were defending our line again, uh, and it, it was brilliant to, to say that, you know, it was like, you won't go, you won't go through us. Mm. Um, uh, even that try, you know, the tries in the first half with kicks and things like, you know, anything can happen. Um, but no, defensively, that's brilliant. And like you say there, what was that? Four or five players, all 40-odd yeah. and above. That's a lot of work, a lot of work. But uh, doesn't surprise me. And I'm here, Borough, yeah, 50-odd tackles coming in off the bench. He's not the biggest lad either. No. Um, so maybe Saints even targeted him at one point to try and, you know, take away his attacking flair, perhaps. Mm. But uh, no, great effort. Um, top meet makers, Ryan Bradley, 110, Tim Lafay, 96. Joel Burgess, 133, King Lafay, King Funiyawa, 68. But like you said, Saints pins us in, it's hard to get out. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have too much sort of uh, clear space, did we? We didn't like so we didn't get on the front foot enough, which which was our you know our problem throughout the game. Um, there's only really that break in the second half from from Burgess that you know opened up, um, and that's credit to Saints to their defence. You know they they did really well, so you can't expect more than that really. But um, yeah, there's a lot of bringing it out from the backfield, wasn't there, from the the, the wingers and the fullback, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's a good effort all around, a lot of shared work. And uh, I think I think them stats basically show the game for what it what it was. Yeah. So what did we learn from this experience pack going forward, finally? Um that's a good question, what we learn. I think from from the semi final itself, I, I don't know, maybe I think we may have lost out a little bit in, in up front in that game, which we've already started to, you know, build a new pack and and, and that that could help. Um, don't get head injuries to your key players. That's one, but I'm not sure how you go about that. But nothing, nothing, because there's nothing too. It's not like previous years. I think over the back end of the season, we 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 had learned we learned how to play together. We learned our, our own style. You know, and we weren't trying to be anybody else. We were just being Salford. Um, and other teams were, were worrying about us. And I don't I don't think there's many lessons to learn. Maybe just as the season went on, discipline. Because we started the year, we were giving penalties away for fun. Mm. And as the season went on, we seemed to cut them out, the little, you know, sticks agains and that kind of thing. And it, it all kind of came together, certainly in that game at Huddersfield. You know, we were we were nearly perfect, I would say. Saints game happened. We were, you know, we I think Saints were the better team and, and deserved the win. And and for the, you know, for the money they have on their salary cap, for the crowd to get, for the club they are, for us to be matching them, I think we've we've done what we can do. And, and to move on now, it's just about maybe getting that bit of luck and a bounce of a ball. Yeah. Fine line between winning and losing. And we aren't far away. I don't think we're that far away. We're, we're, we're nearer than we've ever been to being a, a top club that competes for trophies every, every season. And that and that's the mentality we've got to go going forward. It's can't be a flash in the pan. Paul Rowley talks about changing people's perceptions quite a bit in, in the press conferences. And for, for me, what we've achieved this season, only we only get the benefit of if we do it again next mm. year. 
and that and and that's it. Yeah, we we've we made big impressions. You know, we got to we 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 went got to a semi final as the as the big underdog. But next season, people will know what we're about, so it will be a bit more difficult to do. But that's what playoff teams do. That's what you know champions do. They they they, they keep turning the magic on week in week out, year in year out, and we're on that the start of that process. So you know, next year is the big if we can recreate what we've done this year. Next year, Paul Rowling might be right. Perceptions have will be changed. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it, it, it's, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? it? It's always that's always our Achilles heel. Backing the season up, mm. we'll have a good year. We'll follow up with a with a shocker, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where that that's going to change. And that's when perceptions change. This year could be seen as a flash in the pan. Everyone go, "What's well, Salford do that every now and then?" Uh, and straight away, uh, I know um, the, the the Super League's main sponsor um, has already put out the odds for next year. Yeah. And again, we're outsiders, massive outsiders. I think we're like third or fourth, uh, you know, favourites to be relegated again. Uh, after what we've achieved this year, it's that they're the perceptions that we need yeah. to change. Um, how how some of them teams uh, are being ranked above us after what we've just watched in the last 12 months is, is crazy. But, you know, they, they, these people aren't poor, are they? So they must be getting something right. But, again, that's just a perception. It's Salford. It's only Salford. They'll only be this. Well, this this is the challenge now. And it's where we need to step up. And, and let's, you know, if we if the worst happened and we didn't make the playoffs next year, let's be just competitive and be in there. Mm. And that, that that's building. That's making people worry about us. Yeah, well, that's what it is. You, you got to obviously, like you said, we're a threat, and we just got to make sure we carry out that threat. Now, that's the yeah. that's the bottom line. So that's our look back at the the Saints uh, semi final, and now we'll look and see what's happening uh, in the world of Sulphur Devils. So this week, Parker, they've had a Eng- England Lions week. Um, happening at the club, not just Salford, all the all the clubs of the World Cup uh, among coming up on the on the horizon. Uh, the ladies had an open training session, I think, on Monday, and there was a I think it was learning disabilities session. I think Tuesday there was a Year Seven and Year Eleven rugby league festival today, which was Thursday. So done lots of great stuff, um, you know, engaging with the community and trying to grow the profile of, of Sulphur Devils and Rugby League? Yeah, well, this is the time to go in for the kill, really, isn't it? Um, rugby League profile at the moment is probably as high as it's been for, for quite some time, certainly ours, uh, as, a, as a club in the community. I mean, you saw you saw what them playoff games did, you know, from the Cast game, the travelling support, to the Huddersfield game, to the Saints game, you know, it, people were, were on, on that wagon with us. Um, and now's the time to strike with the World Cup coming up. Um, very, very close behind. It's, uh, it's an exciting time, um, and yeah, I mean you can't, I mean you can't ask for more from from our club as as we've known for the last God knows how long the, the efforts they put in. But the whole rugby league seems to be trying to point in one direction at the moment. I know this obviously we'll, we'll probably talk about it in a bit, but you know there's, there's been a meeting this week and for the future of, of Super League and rugby league in general. But I think at the moment, I think now's the time for people to. To get get involved, and, and our club's right at the front of that. Um, the, you know the opportunities with the, that we offer, and 
Yeah, it's, it's been been a busy week, even though the season's over. <laughs> it has. You're not wrong, Parker. Talking about the international um, season, it's just about to start. Dion Cross and Tyler Dupree have been picked for the England Knights. Uh, squad both have been fantastic for us this season. Opportunity Club, Opportunity Club gives opportunity. These two are the poster boys for that. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you look at well, both of them. I mean, they both at Witness, weren't they last last year? And probably considering the futures in many ways, uh, 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 you know, not being full time or anything like that. And Dion made that switch to us, uh, and he's he shocked and delighted all of us. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Not nobody, no, no Salford fan expected this. I don't care what anybody says and what kind of expert you think you are. Nobody expected Dion Cross coming from Witness on the wing in the Championship last year to being, frankly, an international centre this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been he's been outstanding. He's he's played every game and not let us down. Um, uh, and and not just not let us down, been been brilliant. And Tyler, you know he. Obviously, he had his chance at Leeds, and he'd been about, and he whether he he thought his chance had passed, and then Paul Rowley and and, and Kurt and, and and everybody else around the club spotted his talent, obviously, and knew there's a player in there. And from the minute he came in, that from his debut, he, he's been he's been absolutely brilliant, and his best years are well ahead of him. Um, and and both of them fully deserved the, the, the international call up, especially Dion. I think he's one of them players that could be forgotten. In many ways, you know, he's, is he going to go on and play for England in, in the first? Well, he's in his mid-20s, so he's not a spring chicken as such. But he's not old and, you know, out of the game. Where's he fit in that scale? And he deserves recognition for the season he's had. And, yeah, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. I'm delighted for the pair of them. I also thought Alex Gerrard could have done with a call-up. But that's, you know, we can't have all our players in international <laughs> duty. They'll have none fit for next year. But um, yeah, no, brilliant. I'm absolutely delighted, and certainly, you know, Tyler, because he is still still young, he could easily see himself getting into a, a you know a full international with, within no time. Yeah, uh, Ryan Briley selected for Scotland uh, had a tremendous season uh, for us. Um, you know, Sneed, Brodie Croft, Mark Sneed. You know, it's been it's been amazing. Uh, Ryan Briley, he's, he's, he really he surprised me because obviously when when he what he did at Lee and what he did at Huddersfield uh, when he first came, you know, I, I wondered whether he'd be able to nail down our fullback spot. But you know, it's been it's been unbelievable. He's a Salford fan, I suppose. So that's that might be some part of it. He knows what the fans expect, and and he knows what he has to do. And he's uh, he's probably living the dream there. Scores a, a, in the semi final for, for your own town uh, team is is uh, and get called up for Scotland. It's fairy tale stuff. And I think he's in Toronto as well, chatting in some mm. thing uh, yes. this week. So he's, he's jet set as well. Yeah, he's, he came through a tough time, didn't he? Um, early in the season, he got got a lot of criticism um, from from certain you know factions, and he's overcome all that. And it, the, the strange thing is, when you listen to to Brody and, and Snead talk, they always mention that Ryan, you know, being part of this this trio that's mm. you know, and I think Andy Ackers could easily be be put in there with him but that that makes us tick and you only notice when he did when he didn't play this season yeah that that we lacked that little bit of something um, and some of the plays that we put together that the one with the was it the drop goal we got uh, in one, one of the games mm. and a, 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 one of the tries we scored as well and it it all been set up and they'd worked on it for for weeks and weeks and weeks 
for that exact moment to happen. It's just that little bit of detail, and Ryan was part of that. Um, and he's very much the brain's trust. And I think the strange thing is for me with Ryan Bryan, you forget that he is sort of 30 or whatever, because he still looks like he's about 22. Mm. So, you know, I, I'm still thinking, he's only a young lad, he's good, but he's got that experience. You know, he's been in the game long enough, and uh, yeah, he'll be delighted to be, be playing for Scotland. He's got some big games coming up. Um, obviously, Sam Luckley has, you know, played a season with us, and he's, he's in the international squad. Uh, Danny Addy would have been. He hadn't been unfortunate to get that that injury. We would have had three in the Scotland squad um, in, in you know a roundabout way. But uh, no, Ryan will be, be be you know pretty pretty proud. I'm sure he'll do him, uh, do him do him a good job. So the big news, Parker, is that so far three players in the England squad: Andy Ackers, Callum Watkins, and Mark Sneed all selected for the England squad for the World Cup. What do you make of that? Rob, it's, it's absolutely sensational news. Um, it, it richly deserved for them, th- these three lads. They've been magnificent all season and and key components in you know in what we've achieved this year. Um, I'm delighted for them all. You know, I'm sure they may have thought that you know these chances have passed them by, um, but no, absolutely brilliant. And uh, we've now got our own three lions. And also Morgan Escaray selected for the French uh, squad for the World Cup. I think it's great that Morgan's got an opportunity uh, um, to play for the French team. Obviously, not much had much chance at Salford, obviously, with Ryan Braley nail, nailing down that four-back spot. But we all know that he's got the class. Uh, we've all seen it in patches uh, and so far. I'm, I'm sure he'll have a, a good World Cup with France. Talking about signings, Park here. One out, one in. Um it's Oliver Partington in from Wigan. And um, what do you know about him? He's um, how, how do I put this? Um, he'll he'll add a bit of biff to our squad. Let's say that he's um, he's he's not 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 uh, scared of coming forward. Um, he's he's a good player, very tight player. The Wigan fans are you know really liked him. Um, but they, they are, they've got a big, strong sort of pack, haven't they? Again, they've got that many players they can't all play and they've got to strengthen in other areas. Um, I think it'd be a great signing prop all, all loose forward, depending on what we need him for. Um, still a young lad. Again, another one with, with you know big years in front of him now. Uh, and a point to prove, perhaps, to his hometown team. You know, and say, well, you, you know, you could have let somebody else go, you've let me go. I think it's a great signing. He's, uh, he's got a bit about him. Um He's uh, what's the what's the term a non a no nonsense player, mm. um, and uh, yeah, he brings a bit of, a bit of spark, and we're going to need that. Obviously, we're going to lose a few forwards as we know, but um, he's got got experience. He's been bred the right way. He's come through Wigan's academy, and they they don't do it they don't do it badly. So uh, no, great signing, really good, and I can't wait to see him in red shirt. Yeah, opportunity club, opportunity club gives opportunity, and that's that's what we are. And you know he's obviously not getting the game time at Wigan. Um, he's a good player. He'll, he'll, he'll certainly add something to our forward pack. Um, it's up to him. We give him the platform. He takes that step, and we could have like an international class forward on our hands. Parking. That's and that's that's the name of the game. But very much so. Uh, that's why I'm a bit surprised, really, that we're going to have kind of let him go. I, I've I've always sort of rated him and thought he was going to be you know one of their mainstays for the next few years, but. Um, uh, apparently, he's got all all very good, um, not, not just reports, but he's got 
good ways about him. He's a good good guy to have about. He's got a great attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll be something that Paul Rowley will have looked at because he like he, he knows what he wants from a player and, and it doesn't always just matter about just ability. It's what you can bring to the squad and how you fit in. Uh, we don't want any Billy Big Heads or anything like that. You know, it's a case of we're all in this together. If, you, if you're not willing to muck in, you're not going to fit in here. So, uh, no, I think I think we've done our own work and uh, I think we've got a good player there. Yeah. Departures-wise, Greg Burke and Jack Wells have gone to Barrow. Uh, yeah, I like Burke. I like Greg Burke. He, he, he did he did he did a great job for us. Um, instrumental in that in that run to the 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 grand final. We spoke to him about that on a on a previous podcast and how much sort of uh, the belief it was in the team at the time. Worked hard. Really, like he sort of turned into like a one of us. Uh, really, uh, and that's kind of the biggest compliment I can I can give him uh, there. Jack Wells, unfortunately with, with injuries, I think um, I'd have kept him, but. Mm. Obviously, Paul Rowley has other ideas. Um, but, yeah, I wish them both luck and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be tearing up the pitch at Barra. Yeah, Greg, what a character. Great, great to have in your squad. The kind of, He is the kind of character that, that Paul Rowley would have loved. It, obviously, his game time was limited anyway this year and, mm. and we, we'd obviously move in a different direction and, and younger, you know, possibly younger players. But, Greg's Greg's been a star for us. Uh, I'm, I'm a I'm I've been a big fan. I remember when we signed him; it was a bit Greg Burke, you know. Mm. Uh, and what a player he, he, he's been. He, he didn't let you down. He he's a, he's the, the type of player you need in your squad. You know, he'll come on, he'll do his job. He's no again a no nonsense player. Just get on with it, go forward, get up. And, and he was there every week for us. And I agree with you with Jack. I, I like Jack Wells. I thought he had the games that he managed to play for us. He looked really good. But maybe his injury record's gone against him here. And, and you know, we've, we've decided that, yes, you you know, you, you are still a player. You have still got something to give. But maybe we can't take the risk at this level with it. The budget, you know, we've got. We need to get players that, that are going to be available 90% of the time. And, mm. and Jack, unfortunately, hasn't been a Salford lad and all. So it's a... It's a huge shame, but like I say Barrow's one of my uh, one of my other clubs, if you like, possibly my other club. Um, so I'm quite happy about that. I think they got two two really good players there. I'd love to see uh, Barrow fighting to to get back into you know into top flight. Yeah, you never know with all this uh, IMG business. You never know what might happen in the in the future. Parker. We'll come on to that in a in a, in a second. Another yeah. departure, uh, Sam Luckley. He's gone to Hull KR for me. A bit of a strange decision. Um, obviously, he has his own reasons why he's, he's gone, I suppose. Uh, he was in our 17, uh, worked hard, tackled hard, nice bloke as well. Um, disappointed that he, he obviously decides to go to Hawkins or Rovers, or we didn't offer him a contract, whatever, whichever one that was. Uh, but for me, probably the fact that Hawkins probably would have offered him a starting, a starting you know, a spot in that. That last starting thirteen could probably be a, a swing um, decision for him, uh, but I do wish him all the best. I think he's been fan- fantastic for us. For us, another sort of opportunity uh, player that's come through and gone on that uh, on that road of leaving the club, and you never know, could go on to be a, like a Dan Murray or something like. That. You never know. Yeah, again, I'm with you there. Uh, I think he's he's been he's been great for us, a real sort of crowd favourite as well. Mm. He, he developed in, so never let us down. You know, uh, 
I, I, I'm disappointed. I think I can. it can only be a financial decision. I can't imagine why we would let him go because he's developed so much. And again, he's still only young. He's got a lot, to, a lot to learn. He came from the championship. You know, he was at Newcastle. He, 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 we took a chance on him and it's, it's worked. I really think it has. And I, I'm, I was a little bit shocked. Um, I was hoping we might pull something out towards the end and, and keep hold of him. But Rovers have got a good player. The only other, other thing is, I suppose, with him being a Geordie, he's a little bit closer to home. On that, you know, on the east coast, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, but yeah, big, big, big shot, really. I like Sam, and uh, I wish him, I wish him all the best for the future. Other news: Our ladies are in action uh, in the grand final against Alton at Bradford on Sunday. Five pound, I think, for for a for a ticket to get in the game, or you can think you pay on the gate as well. So hopefully, the ladies will get a big Salford following because obviously it's a massive game. They win that; they're in Super League two. Uh, which is a, a dream considering they didn't exist 12 months ago. So we've covered them on this podcast, haven't we, on a, on a weekly basis. We've uh, we've seen the journey and uh, I believe in fairy tales, Parky, and, you know, fairy tale uh, always sometimes do come true. Yeah, it's been phenomenal, hasn't it? What a great a great year, a great story in, in so many ways. Um, and it's fully deserved. We know what they've, you know, we've, we spoke to the people, we know what they've been through and what they, what they put in and, and the, the the kind of the enjoyment they they've got and given this yeah, yeah. season has been has been great. And uh, you know they've already got one bit of silverware on the on the shelf. Let's let's hope they can get this one done. It's it's a big game against a good team. Yeah. Um, they'll know that, but they'll be ready. We, we, you know we've been through all this now. It's uh, I think it's our time to shine. And um, just hope, you know, another another ground we've we've had bad luck on in the past. In fact, the worst luck of all on that pitch, if we remember rightly. Um, but uh, no, our girls are they're, they're they're fresh, you know, breath fresh air. And it's, there's no, I don't think there's any fear for them. We said at the start of the year that they can go and be whatever they want and do whatever they want. And uh, yeah, I think this is the, you know, their crowning glory of the year. Yeah. Exciting times. Hopefully a big crowd down there. 3 p.m. kickoff at Bradford. So if you can, get down to, to, to Wadsall Stadium and, and cheer our ladies on to Super League 2. The Learning Disability Rugby League Festival is um, taking place on uh, Sunday at Headingley. It's a World Cup-themed uh, festival. We are Wales. Uh, in our group, uh, we have Sheffield, Barrow, Wakefield and Warrington, uh, Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea, Tonga and England. So it'll be a good uh, test uh, for our team there. I'm hoping that a few soul fans might pop down there on the way to Bradford to support the ladies. Start us at half ten. And there's matches all through the morning. Um, it's free uh, to get in, uh, and hopefully, it'll be a real uh, occasion uh, for everyone. Other final bit of news, Parker. Uh, mm. One of our greats, David Watkins, was inducted into the Hall of Fame, as was uh, a sort of legend, uh, legendary rugby league player, Salfordian and Adrian Marley. Two fantastic players, both with uh, Salford in their hearts. Um, being entered into the Hall of Fame, fantastic stuff. Yeah, richly deserved for, for both of them. Obviously, Di was 
if you speak to anybody about Salford Rugby League and you ask them to name a player, mm. anybody of a certain vintage would certainly say David Watkins. You know, he's he him and Salford are just that's that's us together. Um, a, a great man, great ambassador for the club as well. In, in you know, in many ways, even now. Um, so yeah, Rick's a deserved. Been a li- probably a little bit later than than it should have been. Mm. And Mozza, well. What can you say about the guy? He's done it on both sides of the world, you know. Not many British players go to Australia and dominate him, and he did that. They loved him over there. They absolutely loved him. Um, and, he, you know, he did get his chance to, to, to come and play for us, his boyhood club, eventually. Uh, probably 15 years later than we would have liked, but um, <laughs> he came anyway. And I remember saying to to my brother um, when we signed him, this, you know, one thing I say, I see Adrian Marley score in front of us. And he scored in front of the shed at, at the AJ Bell. Um, and and it was one of the happiest moments, I think. I just thought, that's it. You know, it's kind of full circle now. He's, he's, he's done what, what what was needed to be done. Um, yeah, it's been, been great for Great Britain, uh, for, for the Roosters, Leeds, even Bradford, Warrington, ourselves. Uh, great. But yeah, and, and David Watkins is, is, is probably... He's going to be in the top three Salford players ever, isn't he? Mm. No matter who you ask. And uh, as a Welsh a Welsh legend at both codes, he, he's rightfully in there. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, that's something that you know some of our players can look at now, and certainly younger players, and think one day I want to be like them. Yeah. It was obviously well deserved, and uh, great to see Salford uh, being represented in in the awards. Final one, Parker. Let's talk about this uh, IMG framing the future um, mm. of rugby league. Um, what do you make of it? A lot of uh, messages going on about you know category A teams, category B teams, um, no relegation and promotion anymore. It's all back to licenses again. But if you're a category B team and you finish bottom, you can go down. But if you're a category A team, you can't, which is a strange thing for me. But there is, there's not much detail. Let's be honest about it. It's more of a, a bullet point uh, sort of exercise. So I'm sure uh, IMG will uh, put a bit of meat on them bones for us before the season starts next season, and then we'll have a better idea of what our future holds. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't think from what I've seen, I don't. I know there's not a lot of depth there, like you say, but I don't. I don't see how they think that this is going to grow the game. I don't. The game at the moment for me is it's not in a very good state. I don't. I, 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 you know, the game is, is simply dominated by the same teams every year, and this isn't going to change anything. That's not going to make it any any more difficult, you know, uh, easier for anybody else. And if you're saying to Wigan, Leeds, Saints, Warrington, you can't be relegated. What is that doing for the sport? I don't. I understand. You know, in Australia, they have this, you know, they don't have relegation. And a lot of uh, American sports, it's all franchised. And I, I get the benefit of franchising. I do get it. But there has to be an option and there has to be jeopardy. And and there isn't, well, there is for certain clubs. Well, therefore, it's not a level playing field. The game needs to be easier to understand for people who don't follow the game. They already get a little bit confused um, by, by how we work. But... I don't know what we're saying to to clubs with ambition. Like we mentioned before about, you know, I've got a thing for Barrow. 
Now, we'd love a team in Cumbria. Super League would, would absolutely love it. It's, it's, you know, it's a hotbed of rugby league. What chance have they got? You know, they'd have to sort of build a new ground, find new finances. But they might just have a really good team. Mm. You know, I don't... For me, it should be... The merit should be on what you do on the park, not what you've got in the stands or, or anything else. That's mm. that's never going to be fair. Um, so it's, it's a strange one, this... this categorising teams and I understand there should be a minimum of uh, uh, of like a, a level of where your club should be at what you should be able to achieve but don't put it out of sight for people and don't put pe- don't make people untouchable because that takes away all the, the jeopardy and, and competition but one thing I did see was they were thinking of scrapping the magic weekend mm. which I fully agree with um, I've never never really understood why we we have an extra game every year um, and they want to promote the Challenge Cup more, which, yes, needs to be done. But the amount of people I've spoken to recently have said the game's it's gone stale and it needs something to happen. You know, you yeah. see 60,000 turning up at the Cup final, 60,000 at Old Trafford for the Grand Final. Where have these people gone? They, they're, they're still there, but they don't want to turn up. Neutrals aren't, aren't interested. And it's the same teams. But this isn't going to change that. This is going to promote that, if anything. Yeah. And, and that's where I fear a little bit for teams like us and, and Wakefield and, you know, anyone towards the, you know, the, the, the lesser financial stages of, of, of Super League and, and everybody else in the Championship and below. Yeah. Um, I worry that there's going to be separation and you're going to end up with Super League 1, Super League 2, champion, you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's nothing in between. I... I I think it should be down to what you do on the park that, that matters. I think the top of our game is, is suffering from, I'm going to call it success fatigue, that you're constantly in grand finals, Challenge Cup finals. As a fan, it doesn't really excite you. If we had a Wigan fan here yeah. at Saitsfield, they'd be like, what do you mean? I go to the grand final every season and I love it every time we go. But if I said to you, you're going to go once, it's going to mean that much more to you than if you know you're going to go back. Maybe not next year or maybe the year after. And that is the reason I think why it tends to drop it off because, like you say, it's shared amongst three or four clubs and their fan bases are used to being there. So they'll think, well, we won't go this time, we'll go next time, rather than pulling out all the stops to get there. Like we got there 2019, 64,000, something like that, biggest attendance in the last sort of few seasons. I'm not saying it was all us. I'm just saying it probably was a big a big percentage of it because yeah. it was our it was our moment and every soul fan got moved ever and earth, didn't we, to, to get there just to enjoy Salford at a grand final. Um but if we were doing that for the next five years, we probably would be similar. We'd be like, Well, I'll go next year, it's fine. But because it was a one everyone turned up. And then, and like you said there, Parker, how do you how do you change that without sort of changing the whole sort of uh, you know transfer situation where you could draft players in rather than you know selling them on to people or whatever or you know the RFL funding certain players wages to go to a different club or like a football or thing like that but I don't know whether we have money in the system for that really so it's a bit of a difficult situation um, but um, I need, that's there they need to figure it out don't they and I think you know what we Talk about what category we'd be in. 
Um, obviously, you know, we've been quite successful in the last sort of three, sort of three or four years, so they can't sort of point the finger at us and say, "Well, you're not really bringing anything to the uh, to the to the sport as a club." I think we've developed. We you know we've we've got uh, a ladies' team, we've got the learning disability team, the physical disability team. Uh, we're a proper rugby league club now, so they can't really just sort of point to us and say, "Oh, you know, you're not really developing uh, sort of players yet." We we haven't got an academy system yet, but they denied us the opportunity to have one so it'd be i don't think it'd be very unfair to say well you're gonna have to be in a category b because we haven't got an academy when they stopped us having one so that'll be interesting to see where they put us in that a b c category well that's one thing that academy thing you know they can't say well you haven't got an academy well you're the reason we haven't got an academy. so that's (laughs) that's wrong there was talk of uh increasing the the salary cap and adding an extra marquee player yeah well, what does that do for us? Mm. That makes it harder for us because these other teams who do have that extra money will spend more money and have more, you know, be- and will have better players. Therefore, we can't do, we can't reach the salary cap now. So if you raise it, what chance? It's just making a gap bigger that doesn't need to be there. We need to bring the bottom up. That's where we need to go. Mm. Um, I, I, my brother sent me something today. Um, in the last 25 years, all but one team in the NRL have been in the grand final. Right. In 25 years, all but one. Now, you think about that. How, you can't say that about rugby league in this country. Mm. And it, it won't It won't go that way either. It really won't. Um, but it's, we're just not going to make it possible. And all we're going to do is make a gap bigger. And um, it, it, we need... I do agree, though, with... The, tr- the thing is, with the relegation thing does cause a problem because mm. it can be short-termism. You're signing players to keep you up if you come up, not signing players to build a team, to build a squad, to build the future. Mm. But how do you make that fair? I mean, like we, we've discussed about, you know, the French team, did you, did you give them a dispensation? Well, if you do that and they finish bottom, but you finish second bottom, yeah. you get relegated. Mm. It's not your fault because you didn't finish bottom. But they get they don't have to go down. So it's how do you bridge that that issue? It's a, it's a huge thing, but I'm not I'm not saying it's any different in most sports. You know, football you're only ever going to get three or four big teams who are going to win the league and the cup or whatever else, and everybody else is is scrapping out. But I don't think it's as as bad as as we have in rugby league at the moment. Um, you know, is is say Alex winning the league four years on a bounce a good thing? Clearly not. We had it with Wigan in the 80s and 90s, winning it every year, and everybody else was like, well, what's the point? Mm. So, yeah, it's tough. They've got a lot of work to do. Um, and I just hope that, you know, it's done neutrally, because the problem is rugby league, it's always had somebody from a club connection involved with, with running the game or whatever. This needs to be completely neutral and done, not just on a financial basis, but what's the best for rugby league? What moves it forward as a sport? Um, and it, that, that for me, isn't let's plonk a team in Edinburgh. You know, that's not what, it, what it's about, if that's the way they want to go. Mm. It's about supporting the teams we've got now and seeing how strong we can make, make the game. That's what we'll have to wait and see, Parker. Later in the year, we'll get the meat on the bones. So that's all the news. And now we'll see what's happening in Whiteside's World of Rugby League.
Well, here is this week's World of Rugby League. There's not as much going on now as the uh, the climax of the domestic season comes to a close before the World Cup. Don't forget we're bringing all the World Cup action. But we'll start off this week with the regional leagues. In the North West Men's League, it's finals day coming up this uh, this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. In the Premier Division, Ashton Bears face Oral St. James, 3 o'clock kickoff. Our very own Salford City Roosters in action at 1 o'clock on Saturday. In Division 1, they face Wigan Springview. Best of luck to Salford City Roosters. In Division 4, North and West, Goulburn Parkside face Burton Wood, that's at 11am. All those games are at Latchford Albion. On Division 2, once again, all the games are at... Uh Sorry, Division 2. Uh, on Sunday, the 2nd of October, Division 1, 3 and 5. All these games are at Latchford Albion. Again, Division 1, Hayes Finch against Ulverston at 3 o'clock. Division 3, Rochdale Mayfield, A face Tato Heath Crusaders at 1 o'clock. And on 11 o'clock, Division 5, Ashton Bears, A are at home to Runcorn Highfield. That's 11 o'clock kickoff. The Pennine League, that's got on the way recently. Saturday, the 24th of September, Fryston Warriors beat Rochdale Mayfield, 50 points to 10. The fixtures for this week in the Pennine League, Saturday, the 1st, of October, Rochdale Mayfield face East Leeds in Division 1 and Hollingwood, who are based in Oldham, they face Clayton. Uh, that's Division 3 game, Those both those games Saturday the 1st of October. There's a couple of uh, international games in the Wales League Origin Series, West Wales 24 East Wales 18, that was last Sunday. Last Saturday, there's under 16 international. England Lions 6, Wales 8. Sounds a cracking game, that. 8 6 to, uh, to Wales. In the Northwest Youth League, a couple of uh, results to bring you from last weekend. In the under 18s, uh, Clockface Miners 28, Saddleworth Rangers 26, and Crossfields 24, Salford City Roosters 26. So big win there for the Roosters. The fixtures this week in the under 18s, Premier Division, Waterhead Warriors face Halton Farm with Hornets. Division 1 of the under 18s, Blackbrook Royals at home to Saddleworth Rangers. And there's one fixture involving our local sides in the under 60s. Sorry, there's two. There's uh, Division 3, Salford City Roosters against Newton Storm. And in Division 2, there's a game between Heimpool Tigers and Waterhead Warriors. Well, we'll move over to Australia now. It's the, the semi-finals. The weekend just gone. North Queensland Cowboys 20, Parramatta Reels 24. What a fantastic game this was in Townsville. Great game. 20, over 25,000 people there. 12 apiece at half-time. Parramatta Reels. Getting a couple of sort of late, not late tries, the try from Civil, I think it was 15 minutes from time, and uh, that sent them through to the final. And who are they going to play in the final? Well, Penrith Panthers are through. They beat South Sydney Rabbitohs by 32 points to 12. 50,000 at this one at the Acor Stadium in Homebush. What an attendance that was for uh, the Penrith Panthers and South Sydney Rabbitohs. That game was. Uh, was evenly contested. It was a 12 apiece at half-time. In fact, the, the Souths had a good lead. They had a 12-0 lead, so Penrith came back from 12-0 down to win the game 32 points to 12. The grand final is this Sunday, the 2nd of October, Penrith Panthers against Parramatta Eels. It's on at half-past nine in the morning on Sky Telly. I don't think it kicks off. In fact, yeah, it must be a 9.30 kickoff. Uh, well, it's on at 9.30 anyway. Catch it on Sky Sports. I'm not too sure that kicks off. They normally have a, a really good build-up for the, for the grand final. I can't wait for that one. That sounds a cracking match. If you're interested in International Rugby League was a representative fixture between the Australian Prime Minister's 13 and Papua New Guinea. Interesting game that, especially with the, the World Cup coming up. The Australians beat Papua New Guinea by 64 points to 14 at the Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. That game, I think it was played on Sunday. So, uh, so yeah, some, uh, some stars on show there that are going to be playing in the World Cup. That should be fantastic, the World Cup coming up soon. The, the Super League Grand Final, we'll have a little quick chat about that now before we, uh, we close up. 
Yeah, last Saturday was a Super League Grand Final, a climax of the domestic season over here. Um, big win for St. Helens. They won by 24 points to 12 in that game, leading by 12 points to 6 at half-time. They, uh, they run away with the second half with tries from Conrad Hall, Matt Percival. Rhys Martin uh, replied for Leeds. Johnny Lomax uh, missed a field goal late on to tie the game up. But 24-12, St. Helens lift the trophy for the fourth season. Well, it's been a great season, I think, domestically. Salford uh, challenging really well. But, uh, yeah, St. Helens are the champions once again. Well, just before we finish, I almost forgot. I don't know how I managed to forget that. But it was the Betfred uh, Championship semi-finals at the weekend and also the, the Betfred League One uh, matches. So, Betfred Championship semi-finals. Both these games were played last Sunday. Featherstone Rovers, 28. Batley Bulldogs, 32. Real surprise there. Batley, though, you know, well worth their victory. They were 20 points to six up at half-time. Bit of a fight back from uh, from Featherstone Rovers. Scored a couple of late tries to make it a real game of it. But Batley Bulldogs are through to the grand final. And they'll play Lee Centurions. They beat York City Knights. 70 points to 10. 40 points to nil up at half-time. A hat-trick for Blake Ferguson. Ed Chamberlain got a try as well. I think Chris Inu kicked 11 goals out of uh, out of 12. So uh, a big win for Lee Centurions. So they will meet Batley Bulldogs in the uh, the grand final. That's going to be played at Lee Centurions. Half Half past six on uh, Sunday, the 2nd of October. In the Betfred League 1, Doncaster beat Rochdale Hornets 52 points to 20. Real tight game in the first half. 12-4 up Doncaster, but they they ran away with it. It was too strong for Rochdale Hornets. 52-20. So, Doncaster will now go through to the Betfred League 1 promotion final. They'll play Swinton Lions at Haywood Road. Uh, Swinton Lions home ground. That's at 2 o'clock this Sunday. So, the winner of that goes up to uh, the Betfred Championship. The winner of Liam Batley the Super League then so uh, we'll see how that one goes that's that's all I've got for you this week so it's been a short one I'll catch you soon I'm sure we'll have some World Cup stuff to talk about in the coming weeks take care bye bye so that's the end of this uh, podcast big thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week for more Salford Red Devils chat big thanks for tuning in you can find us on Facebook Devil in Detail SRD you can find us on Twitter at the ITD SRD you can find us on SoundCloud iTunes Radio Contact Spotify and YouTube see you soon